Mike check. Yo, 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 yo. What up, everyone? You are listening to the Two Week Notice Podcast. My name is Dana B. I am your host. Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Today, we have a fun one. We have Chris Swinney on the podcast. Chris Swinney is a man of many talents. Okay. Chris is a musician, he is a podcaster, he's a sound engineer, he is a, a father. He is a husband, and he's a great man, and that's just to name a few things, all right? So, Chris, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to speak with me. Now, I got to say right out the gate, if you like this podcast, the Two Week Notice podcast, in particular, the music interviews, then you need to go check out Chris's podcast. It's called That One Time On Tour, and it's way better than my show, so go check it out, That One Time On Tour. I promise you won't be disappointed. All right. Now, Chris, did I mention he played in the band The Ataris for a couple of years? Come on. He also has a current project. It's called Fire Sale, which we're going to get into all that. All right. But before we do, I got to say, <laughs> I had to do this, man. Listen, listen, listen. If you don't, don't want to hear it, then you can fast forward. But uh, quick backstory, this podcast started as a travel log like a couple of years ago when I was in Europe, just by myself, just traveling around. And then when I, when I came home from Europe, I had enjoyed doing the travel log podcast so much. I was like, I got to keep this going. And then I went on tour with Piebald and Dashboard Confessional, you know, and I did it th like during that. But then once everything shut down, I was like secluded by myself for like, you know, however long the fucking pandemic happened. So then I kept podcasting and it, before I started doing these interviews, I, I would come on and just tell stories. Now, what I'm going to do, this is, this is a first for uh, two reasons for the two week notes podcast. One, you're getting a second episode this week. That's how excited I am about this episode. But number two is I'm going to, I'm going to put up a throwback right now. So you're going to hear a story that I put up in the past. It has since been taken down. Come on. Um, basically, I... <laughs> so I had this segment at one point in time where yeah, I saved my, all my old ticket stubs or I, I tried to over the years for the last 20 plus years. You know, like, do you remember back, like back in the day when you would go to a concert and you would like actually get like from Ticketmaster or whatever, you would actually have physical tickets in your hand and they would like rip the ticket stub or scan it, right? Right? That's a throwback in itself. So I tried to save those over the years and there was a segment on the podcast where I put them all in like this bucket and I would just close my eyes. I would reach into that bucket and I would pull out a ticket stub and I'm like, oh shit, the Ataris, you know, whatever, 2013 Brighton Music Hall, something like that. Well, I don't have it right in front of me, but that's kind of what I'm getting to is I, one of those stories reminded me of the time that I saw the Ataris at Brighton Music Hall and I got fucking trapped. So I parked my car. If you don't know Brighton, it's basically an extension of Boston. It's basically Boston. And uh, I went to the show by myself too. Don't judge me. I'm a loner sometimes, whatever. Long story short, I come out of the show and I go back to the parking lot where I had put my car and paid money to fucking park my car. The parking lot attendant gone. My car trapped. 
I'm surrounded by mad fucking cars. I literally couldn't get out and there was nobody in sight. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? And I worked overnight at the time. I'm like, I gotta go to fucking work, dude. What am I supposed to do? So I was just walking around like the neighborhood and I, I stumbled upon an underground gothic rave. So that's what you're about to hear. I told the story and it's going to pick up from here. Now, if you don't, if you're not interested in hearing this story, that's okay. Fast forward. It's like eight minutes. I know. Wah, wah. Deal with it. All right. It's a great story, though. I promise you. Um, and then after that, we'll get right into this uh, conversation with Chris Swinney. So here's a story from here. You're better off without him. Don't call him. He's breaking your heart. He's saying we got best So, dude, I'm walking around, completely stuck, no possible way to get out. And at first, I'm thinking, like, why? Maybe these are people from the Atari show. So I kind of just stood around for, like, a fucking half an hour, man. But nobody showed up. I'm telling you, dude, nobody. Not from the Atari show, not from nowhere. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Come out. And then, like, I, as I start walking around, like, the buildings nearby and stuff, and I found this, like, really, really inconspicuous little alleyway. I don't even remember how I found it. I was just <clears throat> to the point where I didn't know what to do. So I started walking up and down every little nook and cranny around there. I found this really inconspicuous little alleyway, and I just, I heard this really subtle, like, and I'm like, Sounds like there's a dance party going on here. You know what I'm saying? But it wasn't a bar. It wasn't it wasn't a restaurant. I couldn't see anybody. I don't know what the fuck was going on. But I could hear like like just something just like the subtle the subtle like the bass treble from uh what sounded like a rave. You know what I'm saying? But it was from this, like, fucking building that looked abandoned. You know what I'm saying? So I walked down this alleyway that I was just talking about. And I see, like, just one guy standing around. Just one guy. Just kind of standing there. He was really awkward. And dressed very gothy. <laughs> but he almost had the security-like presence. I said, hey, hey, man. And he's, he was just like, hey. Kind of like standoffish, but responsive. And I'm like, yo, dude, like, um, is there like a bar or something in there? Like, I can hear like music and stuff. And he's like, well, why are you asking? Who are you? And I'm like, well, dude, um, I'm fucking parked over here in this parking lot, man. And I can't fucking get out. I'm like completely surrounded. You know, I was just at the show at the music hall and everybody from the show has left. Like there's nobody there and and there's nobody in the fucking parking lot. Like the parking lot attendant's gone. Dude, I'm stuck, man. I need to leave like now. I need to leave now. Are there people in there that are parked over there, motherfucker? What's the deal? This is what I love about goth people. And here's the deal. When I when I was in high school, I got along with everybody. At lunch, I could sit with the athletes and hang. I could sit with 
with the jocks. I could sit with the fucking clowns and hang. I could sit with the gangsters and hang. I could sit with the nerds and hang. I could sit with the average kids and hang. I could sit with the upperclassmen, the underclassmen, and the middleclassmen and women and hang. I could also sit with the gothic motherfuckers and hang. Do you understand? The skaters, anybody. I got along with everyone. And I immediately picked up on the fact that this dude was goth. And that's okay. I, I, I figured it out. I adjusted. I said, listen, buddy. My car is blocked and it's from people. I, there's something going on in there. I want to know what's going on. First of all, what's going on? It looks like fun. <laughs> Second of all, my fucking car is blocked, brother. And this is what it was, dude. It was this wicked, wicked, wicked fucking underground gothic fucking rave. And he was just like, he's like, show me where your car is. And he walks all the way down the fucking alley and I show him where my, where my car is. And he goes, ooh. <laughs> he's like, yeah, there's a big rave going on in there. And every single car that's parked here is, in, is like, it's people that are inside that rave. And there's no possible way that I can find whoever that is because I would have to stop the music and that would be a big, big problem right now. Whatever the fuck that means. I don't know. I said, uh, I just quickly, I thought for a second, I said, well, listen, dude, people at your rave are blocking my fucking car. And, and you could tell it was super secretive. I'm like, listen, people inside there are blocking my car. So what are we going to do about this? And he was just like, fuck. He's just like, I'll be right back. He goes inside for like, I don't know, five minutes or so. He comes back out. And he's just like, dude, yeah, there's nothing we can do. So I said, all right, well, then wh why don't you let me party with those guys? Party with you guys. <laughs> and he's just like, hold on. I'll be right back. He goes back inside. He's in there for another couple of minutes. Comes back out. He goes... And I was giving good vibes. I was like, listen, man, I'm a friendly guy. I'm not, you know, and I was supposed to go to work, but I'd rather hang out with you guys and go to work. I'm a friendly guy. I don't know nothing about nothing. Just let me, like, is there a bar in there? He's like, yeah. It's like, let me just go in and have a couple of beers. I'll just fucking hang out at the bar. No harm, no foul. So again, he goes in and, and like talks to whoever. He comes back out. He goes, all right, fine. You're in. He goes, here's the deal. You didn't see nothing. You don't know nothing. You were never here. <laughs> no pictures, no videos. And do not speak to any of the girls in there unless they come up to you and speak to you first. Be a gentleman. And I was like, dude, got it. Heard. I'm just going to go hang out by the bar. All right? Okay? No problem. <laughs> All right. So I go in there, dude, and holy fuck, there's like beautiful women everywhere. But you know, I mean, it's like this gothic fucking scene. Now, gothic people, gothic people are like awkward and like nerdy. And I'm not judging. I'm just telling you, dude, I sat with these people at lunch. You know what I mean? But like, I was minding my own business. I just leaned up at the, but I was the only one dressed like, I don't know, I was dressed like, I don't know what the fuck I was wearing, dude. Just like fucking jeans and like a t-shirt, you know, and a hat, you know. But I wasn't all, these people were goth the fuck out. Do you understand? So I obviously stood out. And I was just, but I literally was just leaning at the bar, 
I did exactly what I was told. I minded my own business. I, I mean, I was afraid, like, what, are these guys going to beat me up? No. But I was a gentleman. I just leaned on the bar. Even the bartender, dude, They she was totally dressed the part. Like, she was definitely hired for this gig, like, like specifically. Um, and she dressed the part. Like, even she was in costume. Like, I don't know, like, leather fucking skimpy, whatever. There were some sexy women there. And, I don't know, the guys are doing the thing. But it was like this sex party almost, dude. I'm telling you. I was looking around and like, I don't know. Everyone's making out like guys were making out with girls and girls were making out with girls and dudes were making out with dudes. And uh, they're all making out with each other. And I was just leaning. Dude, I was just leaning on this fucking, just trying to stay in my lane, dude. Just leaning on this bar. And the bartender was cool with me. And I, listen, I was I was sweet and nice and like, the bartender had my bag. She was cool. She's like, you're so nice. I was like, yeah, listen, I'm just chilling. I didn't even tell her my situation. I was just chilling. But, yo, these girls kept coming up to me. You know why? Because I was fresh meat. I was this fucking new guy. Like, hey, like people, these girls were coming up. Like, as they were coming up to get drinks from the bar, they would see me lean on the bar and be like, hey, you're new. So what I ended up finding out was this, it was this underground thing that they did like once a month, every month, and they've been doing it for years. They're like, hey, you're new here. And I don't know how many of them were on ecstasy or drugs or whatever the fuck. But I was getting hit on. I was still a gentleman because, I don't know, just because. Why not? I'm a gentleman. But by the end of the fucking thing, dude, they were like, they were like, oh, you gotta come to the next one. <laughs> I was like, they like Facebook friended me and all of <laughs> I ended up becoming a wicked good friend. I never went to another one. <laughs> but it was one of the weirdest things that's ever fucking happened to me. Is that an entertaining story? I don't know. So that was the early November <laughs> at Brighton Music Hall. And the Ataris at Brighton Music Hall. Come around. I don't know why I care so much When I shouldn't care All right. Come on. That was a funny fucking story. <laughs> I will never forget that fucking moment. That was so ridiculous. And uh, I couldn't have planned that if I tried. All right. Let's get into this. Chris Sweeney, you're the man. Enjoy. So we have, uh, this is really cool for me. So we have Chris Swinney here. Yes, sir. Formerly of the band, the Ataris, currently the band Fire Sale, which we'll yes. get into later on. The coolest thing for me is I'm a little nervous, to be honest. You are the host of a podcast yourself. This is my first time interviewing a podcaster. And I'm a big fan of your podcast. It's called That One Time On Tour. Yeah. Um, you're kind of doing what I'm doing, but like way better. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? mean I'll tell you, man, like I, I was always into podcasts. I used to, I was living on the Gulf coast down by Alabama and Florida and I was playing in a cover band. It was after I left the Ataris 
and I had these like two or three hour drives and I didn't want to listen to music before I went and played music for like three hours. So I got into podcasts. First, it was like comedy podcasts. And then I found all the music podcasts and uh, guys like Shane from Silverstein that has lead singer syndrome and Dewey from uh, Pure Pleasure. They were buddies of mine and they kind of helped me figure out how to start one. And I never figured anybody would care. But three years later, it's it's a thing, man. And it, it, it's grown a lot. And it's it's really exciting, you know? That is exciting. And like I said, I'm a big fan of your podcast. It's before I, so all right, just a quick backstory on my podcast. It started as a, a travel log, to be honest with you. I went to Europe two years ago and it was a solo trip, open-ended. I didn't know if it was going to be like a month long thing or what, but it turned into four months. And as I was about to leave, my buddy was like, hey, you should do a podcast you know, just to like keep in touch with friends and family it might be a fun thing for you, like while you're over there. And I was like, that's, that's a cool idea. So I just like, I just did that. And then I don't know, it turned into what it's turned into now, but I didn't really start interviewing people until like, you know, recently, like with the shutdown yeah. and everything, this is the best time to talk to people. Well, dude, that's when mine, I mean, like mine, I'd always been somewhat successful because you know, playing in the bands that I played in, I had a, I'd always call it my digital Rolodex of people that I knew. And a lot of people said yes, but when the pandemic hit, it was like nonstop barrage of publicists being like, hey, we want to come on your show. And like guys from like Trivium and like bigger bands that aren't in my punk rock kind of world that I do. And that was really cool. And I think that kind of even jump started it more. So the pandemic was not a great thing, but for my podcast, it kind of helped a little bit. Well, you made the most of it. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's a great thing in that way. Um, but I was listening to your podcast before I even ever interviewed someone, before I even got this microphone that I'm talking into. Like I used yeah. to just talk into my phone, you know, when I was in Europe and stuff. And I just saw you on Instagram live. I want to say it was like last fall or end of the summer. You were doing an Instagram live. And I was like, oh, I'll check this out. And I was just like, hey, man, um, you should talk to Travis from Piebald. He'd be a great yeah. guest for your show. And like you, you like read the question while you were doing your thing and you go, Oh yeah, dude. I, I love Piebald. I would totally talk to him. And then I emailed you and then like nothing came of it at first. Yeah. yeah. And then I kind of like hit you, you and Travis up like whatever a month ago or so. And I was just like, Hey dude, um, did that ever work out? And it, you ended up talking to him recently. And then I was like, wait a second. Well, wow, wow. I got this guy's attention. Maybe he'll come on my podcast. You know, I wasn't trying to pull a fast one. It just happened organically. Well, no, and I'm, I'm, I'm open to, I mean, I've been on a lot of podcasts actually recently and it's really cool because, you know, of course I have stuff to promote with my show and the band and everything, but I just like, I like having conversations with people and I'll tell you, I'm super easy to get a hold of that whole situation where you were on the Instagram live. I remember all that. And then you hit me up like, Hey, you should talk to Travis. And then I, I emailed Pieball and I DM Travis and it was all going. And then I just, my schedule was so insane at that point with like, I literally had probably five to six interviews a week. Yeah. And so it kind of, it kind of took a backseat, not because I wasn't interested in doing it just because sometimes things fall through the cracks. But then when you hit me up again, I was like, yes, hell yes. I want to talk to Travis. And then you asked me to come on your show and I checked out a couple episodes and I love it, man. Oh, well, geez, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Anytime somebody, it was fun. I have this super insecurity when anytime someone's like, oh, I listen to episodes. I'm like, oh, 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 geez. What, what did you listen to? Like, I, I like, I almost don't even want to know because 
whenever I go back and like listen to myself, I like, I, I like cringe. I don't know if uh, maybe that's just a self well, no, that, thing. You know? I will, I will tell you, I think that uh, I mean, when you put music out, you're, you're, you know, kind of putting your heart out there and hopefully people won't, you know, dog you too much. I mean, there's always negative comments or whatever, but it's weird kind of putting yourself out there. I'd always been in bands, but I was never like the main guy in a band. So I didn't really, I, I did songwriting and whatnot, but I didn't have to like worry about the criticism. Right. So when you, when you do a podcast and you're like the guy, you have to have a thick skin because the one thing is like, I listen to my first like 50 episodes and I don't, I can't stand how I sound. I, my, I'm, I'm yeah. fanboying out. I'm saying, um, every yeah. five seconds, uh, but you do get better as you do it. And there's a lot of negative stuff out there. A lot of trolls out there, people all the time. They're like, Oh, his show's great. It just skipped to the interview. The intros suck. I'm like, well, it's my fucking show. Like yeah. I want to, I want to play a band that you guys might not hear. I, I want to tell you about these amazing companies that for some reason or another want to sponsor my show. Like I'm not trying to make a million dollars. I'm not Joe Rogan, but like, if it's a 15 minute intro, just hit the button. If you're, if you don't like it, like fuck off. Like, I don't care, but yeah. that's what you kind of have to be like, because as you know, when I first started out, I was fairly lucky because the first 10 or 20 guests had some clout, you know, like they were bigger people. And so I got a lot of people out of the gate listening to the show. And that freaked me out. Cause I remember like, I put up my first episode with one of my best friends in the world. Joel he used to be in the band Emory and he hadn't played in Emory forever. And like, it was just kind of like, he was my buddy and he said, yes. And we had a chat and a day into putting it up on iTunes, it had like 800 plays. And I just like, Oh my God, like people are actually listening. I need to take wow. this seriously. But then you get, you get to the point where, yeah, you have to take it seriously. And like, and I'm very anal and I'm a recording engineer. So like I mix everything and I use limiters and I do all the crazy stuff that maybe not everybody does. And I've had, that's been the consensus is your show sounds really good. Right. And I want that. But I also like, if I say, um, or if I'm talking to fat Mike and I sound like a little schoolgirl that's talking to a hero, like, of course. <laughs> Cause you're a fan. It's authentic. You know, I, I tell people all the time, like I'm doing this podcast because I'm not touring anymore. You know, I, I wanted to be connected to the scene that I used to be a part of. And that's kind of why I did it. And my love of just the whole conversation kind of thing. And people that I listened to were not asking musicians. I like the questions I wanted to know. Right. Right. And that, that's people tell me all the time. They're like, Oh, you ask really cool questions. Like you don't just ask like, so tell me about the new record. I mean, we cover that, but there's other stuff in there too. And I don't know. I just, I feel very kind of privileged and honored that people even want to listen to my show. And it's, it's just, I love the community and, you know, being on your show, like we're all in this together. There's no competition. If somebody thinks it's competition, right. they can fuck off. Yeah. They can totally fuck off. Yeah, I, and I look, I look to you as, again, I don't even know you, man. This is my first time talking to you, but I look to you as like a role model in a way, just, just as a fan of podcasting, as a fan of music and all this stuff. And, um, Jeez, you said so many good things in there, but one of the things you said about like the, I got the same feedback, like my intros are too long. And I know I just in general conversation, podcast aside, I can be a rambler, right? I have the gift of gab. I talked to, dude, I've never met a stranger, believe me. So it's like, it's easy for me to, I look down, I'm like, oh shit, it's 20 minutes into the intro. And all I'm yeah. doing is talking about the weather, you know, like it's, yeah. <laughs> but I've had, I've had so many people that tell me 
that they love my show and they listen to my show, whether they know the guest or not, because they want to hear the dumb shit I'm going to say, or they want to hear, they want to hear this new band that maybe they don't know about that I'm playing on my radio segment or whatever, you know, like totally, you you have to make people like you or hate you. You just got to be yourself. I think Yeah, it's your show. And of course, you know, someone like Jim from Pennywise or fat Mike comes on my show. I'm going to get, x amount of listeners that have never listened to my show because of how big they are but you have to do something to make those people want to stick around or your next episode is going to be nothing and that's yeah that's something that i had to learn like i don't always go for the huge guests i've had some massive guests on my show but some of my favorite episodes are episodes with people that are in bands that nobody has ever heard of because you know we just had a really good conversation it's all about that it's not I mean, of course, having big guests is amazing, but you're not going to retain those listeners unless you have some sort of content week to week to week, you know? Totally, man. I think the the biggest challenge for me is, like I said, it started as a travel log. Oftentimes the conversation, I've been better at this more recently, but it'll go for an hour and a half, two hours. And I'm like, oh shit, like, how do I cut? Now I got to cut this down, but I don't want to cut anything out of the chat. (laughs) You know what I mean? No, dude, I, I will tell you, like, podcasting even though it's been around for a while i've kind of come to the conclusion this is the wild west man you can you can say any cuss word you want you can do anything you want you can have an eight-hour podcast as long as your hard drive can hold that big of a file you know so if i could tell anybody that's podcasting like some advice and this is not advice for everyone because my buddy dewey over at pure pleasure he doesn't take notes he doesn't do anything he just starts a conversation and they roll and I've done that a couple of times, but I forget things I want to ask because I'll be up till three in the morning, the night before an interview, yeah. writing, down, writing down on my notebook, like, oh, this thing. Oh yeah. I wanted like with Travis, I wanted to talk about, yeah, look at that. I got a notebook right here. Yeah. yeah. I'm the same with, way. With, yeah. with Travis, like I had this whole big list of notes and 10 seconds before he got on the zoom call with me. I was like, oh, they converted their tour vehicle to run on vegetable oil. That was a huge thing back in the day. So I wrote that down really quick. And we talked a lot about that. I just, I'm very prepared. I'm a very organized person, but podcasting isn't just that way. Like Dewey, his show kicks ass, but he doesn't do anything that I do. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of, you have to find your own style. We're doing a lot of talk uh, shop talk here, which is awesome. So yeah. talking shop, that's what they say, right? Talk or talking shop. shop. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I actually do want to get to know you because like I said, I, I've never talked to you before. Um, okay. Just talk about maybe where you're from growing okay. up and when you first picked up a guitar, dude. Um, I, I grew up in Indiana, East Central Indiana, a little town called Upland. I'm in Muncie now where Ball State University is at, but I've lived kind of all over the place. Uh, but I find myself back here now just because it's safe and it's cheap and I have kids and didn't really want to, you know, live in California or anywhere crazy. Or like, I'll just go back home because it's nice and cheap and safe. But um, yeah, I grew up in Indiana. I, uh, as a kid, you know, growing up in the nineties, I'm 42 right now. I was born in 78. I'll be 43 very soon. Uh, in the nineties, kind of early nineties, late eighties, listening to pop music and R and B and stuff like that. And then my uncle got me master of puppets on cassette tape and it kind of changed my life. I thought it was my little like secret, you know what I mean? Like nobody else knew who Metallica was. 
And uh, my buddy Joey and I, we would like spend the night at his house and his sister was in high school and her boyfriend was a metalhead. And in his car, he had like Anthrax and Maiden and Slayer. And we would go steal his tapes out of his car and then like hoard them in this little shoebox. And it was like our little metal secret, you know? And uh, I got a guitar when I was probably like eight or nine, something like that. I just never played it. I just kind of had it. And around 11 or 12 years old, I really kind of got serious because I was into Metallica. I was into even like the Ramones, like my dad liked the Ramones. And I just kind of took off from there. I took lessons for about a year. And then the guy was kind of lame and he was trying to make me play like Eagles songs and stuff. And I didn't want to do that. So I just got tab books and just went crazy. And I started my first band in eighth grade and that band played for 10 years. We even did the warp tour and put out a couple records and it was kind of crazy. And I just, I've never looked back like from the minute, this sounds really kind of fake, but from the minute that I heard battery, that first song on master of puppets, I wanted to be a musician. There was nothing else. There has been nothing else. I'm good at business. I, I know how to do certain things. I have some skills, but music from that first, like 30 seconds of that song, my, my life was like, I'm a musician. This is what I'm doing, even though I didn't know how to play. So, and that's kind of what happened. You know, I graduated in 1997. How old are you, by the way? So I was born in 85. Okay, so I'm 35. So we're, we're a little bit apart. A little bit. But um, same general area. <laughs> yeah, close enough, man. But but go but go on though. Uh, no, that was a really cool story. So you said you graduated ninety seven. Ninety seven. Yeah. yeah, I should so have I... graduated ninety six, but like I was born like in October, and you had to be a certain age by September to go to kindergarten, and I missed it by a month. So uh, I I'm to... I'm a Halloween. I'm twenty fourth. Yeah. Oh, oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, all right. So you graduated in 97. Yeah. I graduated high school, 2003. Okay. I was in the same boat as you though. Like I, I went from kindergarten to, I don't think this is a thing anymore, but instead of going to first grade, I went to, they called it transition. I've heard of that. I don't think they had it here, but I I've, I've met some people that kind of have talked about that. Yeah. This was like in Massachusetts. So it was all kids who were born I was like part of a, a test, basically. Like yeah. it was all kids who were born be, like September between September and December. They didn't know what to do as far as the cutoff age, like when someone can start school. And I was the only kid in my class who went from transition to second grade. Every other kid in my class went from transition to first grade. So it was kind of like staying back, but not exactly. Does it make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I was just like in this group of like, I don't know. 12 kids in this transition class while everyone else who I went to kindergarten with was in first grade. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I guess I was an outcast from the beginning. I never thought yeah. about that, but like I, I was the only kid who could like read, you know? Um, so they were just trying to figure that out. Uh, but I don't, sometimes I, I don't know if that was for better or for worse. Sometimes that, you know, cause I, so I entered my senior year of high school at 16 years old. And then I turned 17, wow. like on Halloween, I turned 17. So I was like the youngest kid in my class, pretty much, you know? Well, see, I was, I was, that was the opposite for me. I was one of the oldest in my class. My, my cousin Beth was like five months older than me. So she graduated a year before I did, but I was the same. I was over 18 when I graduated and people were like, did you get held back? I'm like, no, I was born in October. Right. <laughs> so I couldn't go to school the year I was supposed to go to school. 
And right. dude, my, my son is going to school in August, going to kindergarten and it's, it's scary. I don't know if you have kids or not, but it's, no, 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 I do it's, not. Uh, you just feel like so insular and like you've your little core unit. Cause I have my wife and my son and my daughter who is three, almost four. And my son will be five at the end of this month. And he's going to go to school at the end of the summer. And it's this weird thing of like, we've all been together since they were born. And now there's going to be this time where he's away somewhere. Right. It's very strange. I mean, I have to do it. I'm, I'm an adult. I know it has to happen, but it's just, I don't know. I'm dreading the day that we take him to kindergarten. Oh, geez, man. I guess, you know, I don't know that feeling obviously, but I guess that's probably what any and every parent would go through. Well, you um, go like when they four, first send the four kid years, off to school. four years of like every day being together yeah. all day long, unless you're going to work or whatever. And, and then that one day comes where, Oh, we drop him off. We go home. <laughs> it's weird. And especially, you know, it's like magnified now with, yeah. you know, like my, I have a nephew. He's, he just turned one a couple months ago and that's, you know, my younger brother, um, you know, him and his wife, that's their first kid. And he's a pandemic baby, essentially. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see like, you know, when all these current like kids that age grow up. I think uh, it's just so weird. Now the things that feel normal, like, like I've, the other night I was watching uh, filmage, the documentary about the descendants and they're showing all these clips of like the concerts from the eighties and everybody's on top of each other and crowd surfing. I'm like, Ooh, where are the yeah. masks? Like, <laughs> why, why are they so close together? Like, it just it, feels odd, you know? It, 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 dude, it's, it's so weird. Even whatever, just thinking about concerts. I mean, yeah. We were talking about you graduate high school 97. Can yeah. you talk of just like about, you know, some some bands you were in and you know what eventually led to I know you were in other bands before the Ataris yeah. and stuff, but what eventually led to that? Well, I my my high school band that I started like eighth grade, ninth grade was uh this punk band called Chronic Chaos. We also had the thought that if we named it Chronic Chaos, like long lasting chaos that uh maybe Dr. Dre would sign us to his label because at that point he was like he had a, a rock band on his label on aftermath or whatever it was called. Mm -hmm. And yeah. we thought, Oh, he he'll hear this and we're this punk band. And maybe it was the dumbest thought in the world. And we were kids. So it, of course it never happened, but that band, you know, like I said, we played for 10 years. We put out an EP and two full lengths. Uh, we did a month on the warp tour in 2003, like with the Ataris, like, cause Chris, Chris from the Ataris, Chris with a K, he grew up in the town over from where we grew up and we kind of knew of him and, I wouldn't say we were like best friends, but we opened for the Ataris when they would come through because he was living in California at that point. And uh, I was in that band for like 10 years. That band kind of dissolved. And then I started a band with Joel from Emory called the Widow Jenkins, which is kind of this more metallic. The Chronic Chaos was a punk band with some metal influence. It, think about like a not very good version of a Wilhelm scream. That's, that's what chronic chaos was. Okay. I remember listening to a Wilhelm scream on mute print, their first record and going, man, if chronic chaos would have like worked harder, we could have almost been in this band. <laughs> and so, yeah, I started the widow Jenkins. That was around 2002, 2003 with Joel and a couple other guys that were friends of mine from the scene here in Indy. And uh, like I said, it was more metallic. It wasn't really like metal core. It was a little thrashier than that. I would say it was almost like a thrash metal band mixed with a punk band. And 
we did fairly well, played a lot of local shows, did a couple tours, put out a little like demo EP and we had a showcase booked for victory. And at, at the last minute, my singer decided he did not want to be in the band anymore. I'm talking like the night before we were leaving to drive to Chicago. And so I got a hold of victory and I was like, Hey, our singer quit. And they're like, well, if you guys get a new singer, keep sending us stuff. We're still interested. So like a month later, I had found out that Chris Rowe had moved back to Indiana and I hit him up and I wanted to know if he wanted to come over to God, my bass player, Brian, and I had a studio at the time here in Muncie where I live now again, it was called the gallows recording studio. And uh, we did like high school bands and did a couple signed bands, but it was kind of like a, it was a nice studio, but it wasn't super, super like on the level. <laughs> you know? Right, right. So we got a hold of Chris Rowe and I was like, Hey man, we haven't talked for a while. You should come over to the studio. And if you like my band, you're not really doing the Ataris currently. Maybe you could sing. I've got this deal lined up with victory, blah, blah, blah. I was trying to be like, like, dude, join my band. And so he listened to the song or a couple of the songs he liked him. He's like, you know what? That's a cool idea, but I'm trying to like get the Ataris going again. And I was like, okay, well, what do you want? And he said, you want to play guitar? I was like, yeah. He goes, well, we need a drummer. We need a bass player. Cause at that point it was just him. Right. And I don't know if you know, like the timeline. Dude, there's literally a timeline on Wikipedia. I, I, I was just looking at it. Like it's cr- and that timeline is a little skewed. Some of the things aren't quite right, but I mean, okay. I was like the fifth, fourth or fifth guitarist. And there's been four or five or six more since I left the band. So it's, it's always been Chris is the constant. And there's got guys that come and go and come and go. And, and we're much better friends now that we're not in a band together. Like right. I have nothing bad to say about Chris Rowe, but there was some struggle here and there just personality wise or whatever. And when we're not in a band together, we're like buddies. I love yeah. it. Yeah. But so me and the bass player and the drummer from the widow Jenkins joined the Ataris <laughs> And uh, we started rehearsing at my studio here in Muncie, Indiana. And the first show was like two weeks later, we flew to Vegas and played at the Rio in front of like 10,000 people. It was crazy. Wow, and that's insane. Like, dude. Before, before that, there'd been other stuff. Like I toured with that band and played with that band, The Reason from Canada. They were on Warner Brothers. Uh, I did a, a tour playing bass for a band called Underminded, which was on Kung Fu Records. And Nick, their singer, is now in Sleeping With Sirens. And uh, I was also in a played bass in a band here from Indiana called Brazil that was on Fearless Records. So, I mean, there was a lot of stuff kind of in between joining the Ataris. Like it wasn't my first rodeo. I'd, I'd toured, I'd been out, out of the country, all kinds of stuff. But joining the Ataris was the first time where it was like, wow, we get catering. <laughs> like we get hotel rooms, like that was the big difference. Like all the other bands, like I said, like signed bands, big tours, you know, like 12 week tours across America, Canada, whatever. But then joining the Ataris, it was like, so when we flew to Vegas to play the Rio, our dressing room was Prince's old dressing room. Wow. Holy it had shit. his symbol and everything was purple. Cause he did a residency at the Rio and we got his whole like Prince's layer underneath the Rio was That's our so- layer fucking cool i hope you got pictures from that i i have actually some pictures i'm not sure where they're at because they're like real like flimsy pictures they're not like oh, yeah an actual photo you can hold yeah i've got a lot of stuff in storage that i've got to find so i can like post stuff but wow man you know all these other bands and, and i some of the best times of my life are being on the road with my first band 
and then some of those other bands that were like bigger on record labels but the times that are more fun that you look back at fondly are not the times where you're in a hotel or you're eating catering it's yeah. the times where you're sleeping on somebody's floor yeah. that's upstairs because they let their dogs have the downstairs like this is a true story we were in virginia somewhere i can't remember exactly where but we we were staying at this guy's house after the show and he's like well you guys there was a, a thing on the outside of the house that went up so you could get into the top of the house we weren't allowed to go downstairs because that's where his dogs lived and he had like five pit bulls holy shit and so we were just relegated to the upstairs and then i wanted to take a shower and i went to go take a shower and there was blood and shit in the shower. So we ended up leaving. <laughs> but I mean, Yikes. those are the stories that you tell. Yeah. Those are the stories that you look back on and you're like, man, I remember being in Florida and we had $12 between us all. And we would go to like a dollar store and, and get like the fake crappy soda and like a pack of bologna so we could. <laughs> like, that's what you think. You don't think about, oh man, catering was amazing when we played this festival. Like, I don't care about that shit. Well, good that stories way, come from hard times. If yeah, you will, that you know, but joining the Ataris was kind of like we got hotels and, and I went home from tour with money. I could pay my mortgage. Like it was sick. That's a it good was kind of <laughs> it was the first time in my life where playing in a band was lucrative. Totally. And, and I think you joined at a great time, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was right after the the huge success. So long even, Astoria came out, and I mean the boys of summer the Atari's yeah. covered well, and that was ev- like that was just everywhere well dude i will tell you like joining a band like that that has a back catalog like they had mm-hmm. we were able to play anywhere in the world and know that at least our guarantee was going to be met and it might just be people that just love boys of summer like right it, it was kind of an odd band to be in because you couldn't grasp why people were there (laughs) you know like do they have all the records or are they just listening to the radio and they heard that song and i mean it was a great time to be in that band i love all the dudes that i was in that band with the time in that band i look back at with great memories of all kinds of stuff but it was odd because when you're a band like the ataris or alien ant farm or one of these bands that had a huge hit that was like a cover right it's hard to gauge because even like playing festivals crickets when you play everything else you play the cover you're the biggest band in the world so it's it was cool and it and i you know i've talked to chris about it many times like you can't get upset that you played a cover song that made your band huge like it got people in the door that song led a lot of people to that band Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i still that was the most fun every night. Like I love playing all those songs, but playing that song was killer every Just night. Because the, the crowd energy, right? The crowd energy. And you knew even like the bartenders or whoever people, the security guards, like that didn't even give a shit about your band. Oh, right. that's this band. And then they would go crazy. Yeah. So that, that's great. But I'm sure it was always awesome when, you know, someone who would come up and be like, you know, like for me, like one of my favorite, dude, the, um, geez, Blue Skies, Broken Hearts. That record, I mean, geez, I've listened to it a thousand times over to the point where the CD wouldn't play anymore and I had to go yeah. buy the CD again, you know, or I had End is Forever, you know, again, so long Astoria. What was the first one? I, I'm embarrassed. Anywhere but here. Anywhere but here. It was like a pink or purplish CD. Like I still it's, have. 
it's got the map of Indiana on the front. My our, my yeah. hometown's right there in the middle. <laughs> oh, cool, man. So actually, geez, I didn't even think of this till right now. So, you know, I I played drums for a little bit. Like I'm a shitty drummer, but um, in high school I had a band. We we were the Mondays. You know, the movie Office Space. Oh yeah, yeah. anybody uh, yeah, case, case of the Mondays? Mondays. Yeah, yeah. So we call ourselves the Mondays, and we used to we did a Green Day cover. I don't know if you know the song Pop Rocks and Coke, Wicked Random. We yeah. did that song and we would do the song Hey Kid, which was off of that for because it was just an easy guitar riff, like the upstroke. Yeah, yeah. But it, we used to play that that song Hey Kid, man. I mean, we would cover that. And uh, geez, I hadn't thought about that in a very long time. <laughs> but again, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's it's kind of cool, like the guitars. Yeah, I mean, it could be someone like me who is a really big fan of all the records or or someone who just knows them because of the boys of summer. Well, and to tell you, I've told this story a couple of times on a different podcast, but uh, so when I moved to Alabama, I was going down there to take that corporate entertainment job that I told you about earlier. And I went to this bar to meet some people because I didn't know anybody. I was by myself, you know, early thirties. I wasn't married yet or anything. And talking to this guy and he's like, what do you do for a living? And I said, Oh, I'm a musician, you know, blah, blah, blah. And his phone rings and his ringtone is the boys of summer by the Ataris. And I went, Oh, that's funny, man. That's my band. He's like, Oh no, that's fallout boy. <laughs> oh my God. And, and on his ringtone, <laughs> it like, doesn't even sound like fallout boy. Well, no, but he showed me and it said fallout boy boys of summer. And I've actually looked online and on YouTube, there are versions of that song that are the Ataris, but it's labeled wrong. It's labeled some 41 oh, SR 71 bowling for soup. People, I think it was maybe in the Napster era or maybe not after LimeWire, mm-hmm. probably like LimeWire around Kazam 2003. Kazam, yeah, that whatever it was called, LimeWire, yeah. People would get that song, not really know who did it, label it wrong, and that's still like spreading. Because that's crazy. Like, the song got bigger than the band, which is always what happens when you band, when you put out a song that gets big, you know? And yeah, it's funny because that guy, I had to like go on my phone and show him like, no, look, this, I was in that band. I swear to God. <laughs> it's funny. That is funny, man. Well, can you, um, let's talk about your, your current band. Okay. So the current band is pretty interesting. Um, through the podcast, I've reconnected with a lot of people that I hadn't seen in years. And cause I mean, I've been, I started doing warp tour, playing warp tour, like in 2001, 2002, and I've, I figured it out a while back. I've played every stage on that tour from Kevin says stage up to the main stage cool. in different bands that I've toured with. And so like you meet people at the barbecue, you just, that tour is really cool because there's not a lot of rock star bullshit. It's like, if you're walking to the showers and you see Jay Bentley from bad religion, you sit and talk to Jay Bentley from bad religion. It's not like he's got his private shower, you know, it's not like that. So through all of the different times I was on warp tour with smaller bands, bigger bands, whatever, I made a lot of friends on that tour. And, you know, as the show got a little bit bigger, I felt like I could reach out to those friends and they remembered me most of the time. <laughs> so, cool. uh, <clears throat> through doing that, you know, I, I got to speak with Matt Riddle again, who was in face to face and, uh, no use for a name Sick. and, uh, the guys from protest the hero, which I, 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 you know, are good buddies of mine now. And, not only reach out to people that I'd met in the past, but also meet new people and get fairly close with them. Like I've had a couple people on the show that I didn't know beforehand. They came on the show to promote something and then we became very close and we still text all the time. That's a beautiful so, thing. 
that's why it's become this like community. And I really love the whole idea. You know, like I didn't know Travis from Pieball, but he followed the podcast and he's hit me up three or four times since we had the chat. Like, it's really cool to meet people that are like-minded that you respect and that you, you know, like Matt Riddle is in my top three bass players of all time with like Cliff Burton and, 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 you know, just so many, I can't imagine that we're even buddies, but now yeah. we're in a band together. Yeah. And it's all due to this podcast. Like I started writing some stuff at the beginning of the pandemic. I hadn't ever really, I hadn't written music for a long time. It had all been all podcasts and I've done creative stuff, like a couple covers here and there with buddies or whatever, but I hadn't really written stuff. Right. And I'd written two or three songs and I felt like they were pretty good. Like I'm not a guy that writes a song and goes, that's ah, a fucking hit, dude. Like <laughs> I write a song and I'm like, that's who I don't really like it. I'm going to get rid of it. But if I write a song and it kind of lasts, it kind of sticks around in my head. I'm like, wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. So I had two or three songs that I'd written and uh, I reached out to Matt and I said, Hey, do you want to play on some of my songs? Totally thinking he's just going to tell me to fuck off. And he's, he's like, send me your stuff. So I sent it to him. He's like, oh, these are cool, man. Yeah, I'll play on it. So then in my head, I'm like, wow, okay. So Matt Riddle from Face to Face and No Use for a Name, who is literally one of my favorite bass players in the world. It's so cool. Is going to play all my fucking songs. Yeah. And that was enough for me. But then I reached out. Okay, so I'm working with this producer too at this point, Brian Churlow. He's uh, won some Grammys, worked with Justin Bieber and Skrillex and Paramore and all this crazy stuff. Wow he's a buddy of mine and he's like, Oh dude, you know, I'll, I'll mix your stuff and maybe it'll be fun. We'll put it on the podcast. Like it wasn't even a band. Right. <clears throat> and so I sent him the stuff I did with Matt and he said, well, we need to have real drums because it was, I programmed all the drums. So I reached out to Tucker from Thursday. Who's a buddy of mine. Oh, he's a, yeah. He's yeah. So, and so Tucker, a killer drummer, dude. Tucker's like, Oh, I've got some time next week. Yeah, man. Like, uh, just let me know. And him and Brian live close together. So they went to a studio and they did it all up and it was really, really good. But then Brian was like, you need some more guitar on it. And I could have just written more guitar, but at that point I'm like, this feels like a band. Right. So I reached out to Tim for protest the hero. Who's a buddy of mine. I was like, Hey, will you put some guitar on this? And he's like, yeah, totally. He was kind of put some piano on it. I'm like, yeah, do whatever you want. So we got this one song kind of done. And then Brian was like, okay, well, Tucker kind of just played what you programmed. He didn't like ad lib or anything. He was just trying to be as true to what it was, you know, possible. So he goes, I think we need to maybe do some new drums. And Tucker was so busy and Thursday was picking back up and they just signed a new record deal. And so I didn't even want to like bug him. Mm -hmm. and, and everybody else in the band was like, when are we doing the next song? Like they were all stoked. So I, so Brian found this drummer, this guy named Will Ferguson, who is a session guy that owns a studio in Jersey. And he, I kind of produced with him on over zoom and got all the drums done. And oh, I didn't even talk about Pedro. Pedro is my buddy who's singing on it. He's in a band, he's in Amberetta, which is like amazing kind of old school punk band, but he also is, was in river city high. They did cool. some, like they won some MTV two thing back in the, early yeah, 2000s totally. uh, and he's also in this amazing band called shot clock and he owns a studio in virginia so when i wanted somebody to sing i was like i'm gonna get pedro to sing on it because the dude's awesome so it all kind of came together slowly but it felt 
kind of quick, like, cause everybody was really interested in doing it. And once we got a couple demos done, I sent them out to a bunch of friends, not really thinking anything would happen. And we literally had like four or five labels that wanted to put it out and we didn't even have a name. <laughs> and like, we're not going to tour. Like one of our guys lives in Canada. I live in the middle of the country. We have an East coast, a West coast. Like it's crazy. Right. So finally we decided on a name. It's called fire sale. Uh, I had my buddy, Sam King from get dead, the fat wreck band. He was on the program and uh, they had a new song on their new record called fire sale. I was like, wow, that's cool. I'm going to Google that and see if nobody's used that name. And there was some like DJ fire sale or something, but we, we went with it. It's hard to pick a name for a band. Totally. It's, it's totally hard, but we got the, the main song done. And then the other one was kind of still demoed and, and a uh, spam record just S B A M out of Austria. They've done a lot of work with fat records and uh, I think like fearless and different labels like that on distro. They made us a good offer to put out a seven inch single and we just said, fuck it. And they've been the best thing ever. We just released our first single on all the digital streaming platforms the other day. And it's going really well. Presale is going to go up soon for the seven inch. And we already have offers for Europe and Japan and Australia and all kinds of stuff. But I don't know if that's going to happen. We all have kids and jobs. Plus there's a pandemic. So it might happen, but we're just excited to get music out and it's, it's awesome to be able to express myself musically again, not just on the podcast. And it's so fun because I will put the skeleton together of like the chord structures and, and the arrangement and I'll send it to Matt and he'll play bass. And I don't even know what he's going to send back. And then we'll send that to Pedro and Pedro sing. And then we'll give it to Tim and he'll put all his stuff on it. Like there's no, maybe you should do that again. It's just whatever anybody puts on it is what happens. So I would say I'm the skeleton writer, but then everybody throws their ear candy on it and it's all our one thing, you know? And, and that song is called Dark Hearts. Dark Hearts Fire is the sale. first single. Yeah, it's uh, it's up on all the streaming platforms now. And uh, there's a video for it, which I put together, which I my first time ever doing a video. I was pretty excited. Cool. <laughs> all the information is on firesaleisaband.com. And uh, on all the socials, we're just at fire sale is a band. So awesome. Um, let's plug your podcast again. Uh, again, I'm a huge fan myself. So it's really cool. Like I was, I was kind of nervous, you know, like I'm like, geez, I'm, inter I'm interviewing someone who's, who does what I do, but like a million times better, like I said, but light years ahead of me. So uh, it's you've just had time. It's just time, man. Believe me. Like I've been at this now for three years. I don't consider myself an interviewer. I consider myself a fan that, tries to ask cool questions that's all like, well that's I, where i'm at but you're just like really really good at it and, and again you've you've been in you've also like i'm not again i'm not a musician i'm just a fucking yeah. guy who likes going to shows <laughs> at the end of the day but you're like you're, seriously you're a pro man so well i, I appreciate that and I've, I've worked you know for that title if that's something that you would want to call me i've worked very hard to get that absolutely like it's, it's not i have so many friends that have tried to start podcasts whether they be famous musicians or they be just friends of mine from high school or whatever, they'll, they'll start it. And two or three weeks in, oh, it's too much work. I'm like, dude, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's, it's a so lot much of work. fucking work, man. Like, <laughs> not, like it keeps me up at night. Like you said earlier, man, like, and even I, people, I do love it. Well, even people back in the day, like my first band chronic chaos, when we were playing in high school, anytime a big band came through Indianapolis, the promoter would let us open like agnostic front rise against like all these different bands you know anybody on fat anybody on epitaph 
and all these other bands would get mad at us and go, why do you guys always get to open? I'm like, because we're going to make a thousand fucking flyers and we're going to go to 18 different cities and hand out those flyers. And we're going to bust our ass for that promoter. Nothing's free, man. Put I don't care how good your band is. Got to put in the work. You got to put in the work. And when I tell people that, and then I would have people like, Oh, even before the Ataris and any other band, when I started touring with other bands, people are like, well, why is Chris going to do that? Because Chris said yes. And Chris put himself in the right place at the right time. And I will tell you something that my dad told me growing up. And it's been the cornerstone of everything I've ever done musically or anything else is you make your own luck. You get yourself in the right spot at the right time with the right attitude and the right amount of preparation and work. And it's going to work every time. Don't stand on the sidelines and I wish I had a podcast fucking do a podcast. Like the first like couple episodes might suck. For me, the first 15 or 20 were fucking horrible, but I look at them now and I listen to it. And I'm like, ha I sound like a douchebag, but it's still decent content for someone that wants to listen to whoever was on the show. Totally. It took me a while to actually develop into being a, and I don't even know if I'm a good one or not, whatever you are, but being a host and kind of talking about things people want to hear about, not on the interview. The interviews for me now are easy. I prepare. It's like a fucking test in school. Like here's my outline. Here's everything I want to know. I get through it pretty smoothly. It's over the intro and outro. I try to be myself. I try to talk about things that excite me and hopefully that will translate to other people. But yeah, man, it's, it's a developmental thing. Like how many episodes have you done? Oh, geez. If you include the Europe stuff, hundreds, like, okay. cause when I was in Europe, I was like, whatever, talking like every other day, but um, let's see how I, many episodes have you done where you've like really dug down and like took it seriously though. I don't know, man, a few dozen, a few okay. dozen. Yeah you are at that kind of place where it's going to start to get really, really good. And you're going to feel good about it. I used to do an entire intro and then delete it and do it again. Cause I didn't like it. I still do that. <laughs> now I'm just like, fuck it. Like yeah. people are going to bitch about my intro anyway. So I'm just going to be myself. And if I say, um, or if I cough or whatever, just fuck it. It's going to stay in there. Yeah, and man. You have to, I'm not the godfather of podcasts, I just, I've been at it now for three years and I've kind of seen what works for me and what doesn't work for me. And you've got to think you've got two sets of people that are going to listen to your show. There's people that are going to listen to your show because they like you as a host and they're going to like all the mistakes and all the bullshit in the intro, however long it is, they don't care. And then you're going to have a set of people that are coming to you because maybe they're interested in the guest you're going to have. So you don't have to worry about the people that like you. They're going to listen no matter what, how bad it sounds. Yeah, you're right. Whatever yeah. content, the people that you should worry about a little bit more are those people that are coming to your show and don't know who you are. Don't know your hosting style. Don't know anything about your show. They just know that Chris Caraba is going to be on your show. Totally. Now don't cater to those people, but worry more about the interview and getting those people to kind of, cause everybody's got a style, man. And like I said, I used to kind of just slave over the intro and like, Oh my God, it's too long. Oh, I got to yeah. do this. Oh, I, I said, um, too many times. <laughs> now it's just like the most important part of it for me is being believable, being a nice guy, being myself 
if people like it cool if they don't i don't give a shit mm-hmm. because i know people like a million people are going to come listen for whatever artist is on my show maybe they'll like me maybe they won't i can't help that no amount of editing no amount of preparation and outlining what i'm going to talk about that's not going to make some dude that loves no effects but hates my show like me no hey, you're 100 right and going yeah. back to your so that podcast again it's called that one time on tour Yes, so if, if you dig that vibe, again, go check that out. Jeez, man, I, I, I honestly haven't touched my notes at all, which is really cool. And That's I like great. when it works out that way. But I, I will. I hope to get you back one day because I could we'll do, I we'll do this whenever come you back want. on and tell some Warped Tour stories or whatever the fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, any, anytime you want, man, I'll, I'll tell you about taking a shower. Do you know what a sun shower is? Uh, I don't. You used to be Tell able to go, to go to Walmart and you'd get this thing called a sun shower. And uh, it's just this big plastic bag. And you would fill <laughs> it up with water, hang it from the bus mirror. So you would fill it up with water, hang it from the mirror on the bus, let the sun cook the water. And then you'd go over and pull the little thing and you'd take a shower. What a great was, invention. I know, man. Like, uh, dude, living in parking lots all summer. That's, you know, somebody, whoever started that, you know, they probably just filled up a trash bag put it in oh, the sun yeah. and poked holes in it. And they're like, wow, I should like patent this and like actually went market on, it went on shark tank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's free. I don't know. That's I'm awesome. just kidding. I, I don't they know. Might've, I don't know. It sounds like a shark tank. Sounds, sounds like a shark tank. <laughs> but no, man, all I right. will come on whenever you want. We're buddies now. If you need anything at all, I have a, uh, a business that I started recently. I haven't really been pushing it. It's called motor mouth digital. It's a podcast consulting firm. Oh, wow. Uh, but uh, you're pro bono. If you need any help, let me know. I will hold you to that and I will yeah. hold I will hold you to coming back on this podcast. So I don't charge my friends for advice and stuff, man. Well, you're you're a gentleman and I know you're a great dude. Like whatever, you got good energy, man. Uh, so Chris Swinney, check out the podcast that one time on tour. Check out the band Fire Sale on all the streaming platforms. I'm gonna watch that music video. Chris, cool. this has yeah, been let me, a let me know what you pleasure. think of the video because I put it together, man. I, I totally will. Um, thanks buddy. I really appreciate this. Yeah, no problem, man. And like I said, anytime, just, uh, I got a pretty crazy schedule the next couple of weeks, but after that we do a part two, I'll have you on my show too. That would be an honor. We'll and this like right here crossover. is crossover. <laughs> Sounds good to me, man. I'll hold you to it. Awesome, man. Well, it's been wonderful. And, uh, T O T O T podcast.com or fire is a band.com. Thank you guys so much. And Dana, thank you, man. I had, I had a blast. Looking for a place to call my home Where will I sleep tonight even I don't know You ask yourself, is this how I wanna live? When empty hands have nothing more to give So I drive around and play I will make it through to All right, let's wrap this one up, baby. Come on. One last final major thank you to my man, Chris Swinney of That One Time On Tour podcast of the band Fire Sale, formerly of the Ataris, just to name a few. You need to go check out the band Fire Sale. You must go check out his podcast. Like I said before, if you like what I'm doing here with these musical interviews, then you will love what he's doing with his music interviews. This guy is 
light years ahead of me. He's so good at what he does. Go check that shit out. I promise you won't be disappointed. All right. Um, that's it. If you like what you hear as far as this podcast, so, uh, if you're brand new, thank you so much for checking it out. That means a lot to me. And if you're one of my regulars, you know, you know, I love you too. Come out. Uh, but if you are not already subscribed, make sure that you hit that subscribe button so that you do not miss a single episode. All right. And if you want to do me a huge favor, the best thing you can do to help move this podcast forward is if you're on Apple or iTunes, give me a five-star written review. That's the best thing to help move this podcast forward. That's it. Until next time, I love you all. Peace. Where have they gone? And who are you? Guess we're predisposed to find something new.